Okay, welcome everyone to episode 6 of Wargamers. So, a couple things before we dive into the podcast. Uh, I, if you're not familiar, I changed the name of the actual podcast from The Strategy Wargamers to just Wargamers because it's just easier that way. Um, the Strategy Wargamers is a mouthful. Wargamers is just quick, straight to the point. And honestly, that's who we all are that's listening and who I'm interviewing. We're all war gamers, right? This is going to give you an opportunity to interact and actually get involved in these podcasts. Uh, if you become a Patreon supporter, you're going to be able to actually attend the live interviews, uh, actually participate through the in, uh, in-app chat, uh, as well as submit questions to the developers that we're interviewing. Uh, so this is going to change the way we're going to do this podcast a little bit uh, and by giving you, the listener, the opportunity to actually interact and participate in it. So that's the two pieces of uh, information I wanted to hand out to you guys before we ju- jump into the podcast. Uh, this week we have Marco Minoli from Slytherin. He's the marketing director of Slytherin. He's been there for quite a bit and uh, we got a chance to talk to him about, well, <laughs> everything strategy games and a little Battlestar Galactica. Here it is, guys. Okay, I'm here with Marco from Slytherin. How are you, Marco? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, so let's uh, get right into it. I wanted to have a whole slew of questions to ask you. So um, let's uh, start up. Uh, how, what is your job at Slytherin? I'm the director of marketing, so I handle all the marketing team, um, commercial side of things, and uh, communication aspects of um, of the company, uh, from positioning the games to launching them and following up with the um, sales and all that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So, how long uh, how long have you been doing this? Uh, well, I mean, I'm doing games since 1997. Um, a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's when I started my marketing career uh, in video games, and uh, I'm with uh, Slytherin now since uh, 2007, so basically 10 years. So uh, why uh, strategy games? Why did you go into uh, for Slytherin and not for why was Slytherin special? Uh, well, I was I was working uh, at uh, at the time I was working for a publisher, um, Blackbean, and uh, Blackbean was actually publishing. Uh, boxed versions of uh, Slytherin games and uh, we started working on projects together and we went along very well. Uh, one of the projects in particular uh, was a game called Great Battles of Rome um, off, off the back of a game called Legion Arena. Uh, it was a 3D game about ancient battles and uh, that was one of the projects that we sort of uh, marked as a you know a sort of a turning point in the company because it was the you know when 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 Cedric started actually publishing games instead of just developing them, and um, I I basically joined at that point. Uh, we were working on this project with History Channel, and there was a lot of marketing side of things involved in the, in the project itself. So it it was a natural evolution for for the company to add the marketing aspect to it. Uh, whilst when you're a developer, you kind of tend to have especially at the time, tend to focus on development and, and do um, uh, actually use the publisher for all, all the commercial aspects. So in the move from developer to publisher with a specific project, we you know, they decided to um, expand uh, the team and uh, that's how the marketing department was born and then you know how we moved into publishing as well. Oh, wow, okay, wow. Um, the other question I have was, uh, 
concerning developers, how many does on average does slow uh, work with Slytherin? Ah, well, it's a moving target, really. I mean, at the moment, I think we're we're working with about fifty over fifty active development teams. Wow. Then you have uh, then you have a lot of prospect ones. Then there's you know uh, developers we that are maybe not not working anymore uh, on specific games, but we tend to update the games and make sure that uh, they're still working even after ten years. So we tend to work with maybe um, maybe it's like community members and smaller teams. Uh, but I guess that uh, over time, um, I think we've worked with over um, 150 different development teams, wow. and um, and at the moment I think about about 50. Uh, the market right now is really very busy, so we try to uh, we're trying to focus on uh, on games that you know really have a chance to make it in the market because it's it's really busy, really hard. So we need to make we need to make a focus, and so. Uh, at the moment, I think uh, the number of games we have in development is around 50-55, I think. Um, in terms of Slytherin, um, what is Slytherin's relationship uh, with Matrix Games? I was always wondering about that. Well, I mean, it's, it's a group of companies. We tend to separate the two brands because Matrix Games has always been regarded as the number one brand for uh, hardcore war games. And we don't want to water that down to, you know, attract new players with, you know, very light games. Um, I mean, it's important that we keep the focus on very specific audiences. So the Matrix games are always going to be um, the brand for hardcore war games. Uh, historically, that's what it's always been. And we'd like to keep that for over time. And, you know, with development of technologies and such, but still with the complexity and the depth that these guys are used to. Um, and the Slytherin brand is much more um, targeting a, a wider audience, still, still, you know, strategy gamers, still, um, you know, expert gamers, but, you know, wider audience in, 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 um, in regards to, uh, you know, it can be different game modes. It can be, um, you know, introducing much more glitzy graphics and, and, you know, 3d elements and such. Um, and, um, it's a really, it's sometimes it's a fine line. Because there are games that are definitely crossing that line, but we tend to sort of give a brand to each game and then you know focus and target uh, these games to the right people. And um, as, as a whole, the, the company is the same, and and we don't you know it's really uh, you know customer facing brands rather than actual companies. Yeah, I, uh, I, I so the way I kind of take that is like Matrix games for people like me, <laughs> so the rings for the yeah, the rest yeah. of everybody else. Sometimes you've got like you've got like games like uh, for instance, uh, I think a good example is Pike and Shot. Um, you know, it's uh, you know it's it's made by a war gamer because Richard Bolly Scott is you know one hundred percent a war gamer, uh, both tabletop and 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 digital. Uh, but it's definitely a game that's light enough or lighter enough to attract a wider audience. So that's why we brand it Slytherin. Although there are a lot of Matrix games players that really like it and enjoy it. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's sometimes it's hard to identify, but we, we tend to we, we try and give the right, the right place to the right game. Yeah, yeah, one of my uh, favorite, I would say, Matrix games would be uh, War in the Pacific because I, I think, bar none, I can't find any Pacific theater war game that's as encompassing as that. Yeah. 
Well, you, you'd be surprised to know that Warren Pacific is now, what, 10, 12 years old? Oh, wow. And uh, nice. Warren Pacific Forum is still the busiest forum on the Matrix site. Oh, wow, really? By far. It's just, it's just amazing. It goes on forever. Discussions and <laughs> new scenarios. And, and that's what and happens when you make a great game. It's really amazing. <laughs> but um, So, in, in talking about games, uh, what's your favorite strategy game that you ever played? Ah, uh, wow. It's, uh, I think... That's I think a big I'm, one. I'm but, kind know. of a lighter strategy gamer uh, than than you know than the hardcore ones. Yeah. So um, my my probably favorites are you know from the past are games like Commandos and yeah. XCOM and there was a game called Laser Squad Nemesis which you know which I really liked uh, back in the, back in the days. It's still still uh, you know pretty popular um, and um, you know that kind of. Uh, more squad-based, more tactical type of game, um, but you know, I I kind of I kind of try and play a bit of everything, and um, just not only because it's competition or because you know we'd, we'd like to know what's happening, but because I think that the world of strategy gaming is the one that's evolving and changing the most out of all the genres out there. I mean, a driving game will always be a driving game. You have you always have a track and, and a car, right? And a first-person shooter can change a lot, but ultimately, it's it's just it's just about shooting people and, and shooting creatures or whatever. Strategy games have so much of a variety, so much of a difference between each other, and they um, there's such an evolution that you know just keeps the thing very interesting. Now, we're talking about the future of uh, strategy gaming, uh, using that as a segue, what are your thoughts of about strategy games on tablets? Is that is that the future of where everything is going? I know Steve Jobs uh, back in 2010 were saying that uh, the majority of people are going to own cars, uh, referencing cars being tablets, and then trucks being PCs like laptops and desktops. Do you see that, that, you see that heading in that direction? I guess the the right answer is that strategy game on tablet was the future. Um, it's uh, it's we're in a state of the market right now where basically you have uh, PC uh, platform is really very very busy. So there's a lot of innovation there in terms of new ideas and new design aspects, and new new angles. But it's very very hard to you know raise the head above the parapet because there's hundreds of releases every day. Um, on on tablets, I think that the the problem is that the tablet market itself is not is not there hasn't been an evolution in 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 the in, in the target audience on in you know for that for that for that platform. There's a lot more phones. There's a lot of more smart more smartphones that will always be a great platform for tactical games, but for grand strategy games, for strategy game turn based strategy games. For tile-based or hex-based big war games, uh, I don't see tablets and iPhones being the future, just because tablets are not, you know, selling enough and, in, and broadening the broadening the, the potential target uh, players. And iPhones are just too small screens to actually fit uh, fit in the screen. Um, yeah, I think I think that PC will remain the strategy, the platform of preference for strategy gamers. Although I see. Very interesting things like at E3 just been announced um, the new uh, Ubisoft Nintendo collaboration, uh, this tactical game with Rabbids and Mario, 
And I, I was surprised by the fact that the next big Mario game will be a turn-based tactical game, basically, on a grid. Yeah, it's, were... just, it's just amazing. It just tells you how much strategy gaming is, has the potential to grow over time. They were saying how um, a lot of commentators on uh, during the E3 were saying that was a very strange move for Nintendo. Um, n- not that it was a bad move, but it was very strange because it was uh, it was not what they were used to seeing from uh, Mario on Nintendo. Yeah, now I'm curious to see that gameplay because this can open us a world of opportunities out there. I mean, they're basically okay, it's simplified. Okay, it's it's much you know streamlined and everything, but. You know, that's a style of gameplay that was never brought to the masses like this. So it, it can really bring us a lot of opportunities for the future. The uh, the, the thing that concerns me about, um, like, strategy games on tablets is... So I, I'm, I have basically all three. I have a tablet, um, um, a MacBook Pro, and a, and, a, and a phone. Now, I use my phone more than anything because it's, you know, you, it's easy to... Very portable. And believe it or not, I use my tablet more than I use my laptop, which, and reason being is because of convenience, it's much more portable. And I've noticed that on the iPad and Android marketplace for tablets and such, uh, developers are not making games for, uh, for strategy games anymore. It, 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 would you be able to uh, like, define why there's such a, like, a hesitation to... Uh, I, I've no, I noticed that Slytherin has made a lot of uh, iPad strategy games, which I'm very thankful for. <laughs> I, I sink in well, uh, hundreds of hours for that, so thank you for that. But I want to know why, like, it's um, especially Android marketplace is not being saturated as much. Well, basically, it's a, it's a matter of uh, of business model. Uh, nowadays, uh, the majority of the turnover on Android games, the vast majority, is done by free-to-play games with in-app purchases. Um, this type of business model is very hard to break through with, especially for niche audiences. So you end up with, at the moment, I think uh, market value for user acquisition for new users on these platforms is about $6. So what you end up with is you end up with a free free to play game. You have to spend $6 for each user you get into the game. Um, and then you will have to create a critical mass big enough to have people spend money in that game. So it's a whole business model that's completely different from um, what the strategy gamers and the war gamers are used to. And um, and as soon as you release a free-to-play game on any platform, strategy gamers and war gamers will think, "Well, wow, this is too light. I don't think I'm going to like it." So it's it's almost like creating a market from scratch and I don't think there's anyone out there who can afford to take the risk of doing that um, but maybe maybe you know maybe paradox will try that route I don't know but you know it, you know understand you understand that it's, it's really a huge risk um, for anyone to take to take against you know the big brands uh, no surprise that over the last three years, if you look at the top 10 of most played games on iOS and Android, you'll probably find that 50%, 70% of that top 10 is remain the same over time. Uh, that's because the big guys are dominating and the economy is made out of these you know, huge games um, and everything else is struggling out there. Kind of like, uh, the, the games kind of like Clash of Clans, things like that. 
Yeah, and some some people think that these are strategy games. So um, yeah, I'm not. Which I'm they not are, to be honest. But you know, it's a very different type of strategy game. Yeah, I'm not a, a fan of those uh, those type of games. It, it kind of lacks depth and um, and and anything su- substantial. So I, I I've tried it. I really wasn't a big fan of it. But I was I, I was always hoping that because the tab will becoming be become the next p, uh, platform for uh, in depth strategy games for like you know that we, maybe in my lifetime that I would be able to see you know um, War in the Pacific on the iPad. But you know, it's a guy can always hope. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, we tried. I have to say that we have actually, oh, wow. we're actually developing uh, one of Gary Grigsby's games for iPad, uh, oh, wow. um, Word at War. I don't know if you remember that game. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I heard, I remember seeing, uh, yeah, I remember the news item. Uh, in the, it was even in the forum yeah. for a while. I think we brought it up in a conference as well um, to start showing it. Um, but, you know, Ultimately, UI became too much of, of an issue, and um, it's just it's just very hard. Just these games need just a, a complete redesign, complete overhaul. So uh, we ended up um, just uh, putting uh, the project on ice for the moment. Do you think it's even? Uh, I mean, from a design aspect, do you think it's even possible to bring a game like that to the tablet in terms of just sheer amount of like? Could, it, could the touch replace the mouse in, in terms of that aspect of the game? Um, I, I, I'm not a designer, so I can't really tell you, but I, I think that anything is possible you know, with, a clever, with clever solutions and uh, new technologies that you know, anything can, can happen. Uh, I think that the, the main issue is that the risk for us was really down to porting games to iPad which was, you know, a big investment, but it's not like creating a game from scratch. So if we'd have to, I wouldn't say that porting any of the big war games is possible right now. What you'd have to do is just redevelop and redesign the games from scratch to fit on the platform. And that's when the problem starts to to, uh, to happen because you then have, um, you then develop a game for a very limited number of people um, because iPad, the number of iPad users has gone has gone down or just, you know, not increased enough to create a potential critical mass of players out there to develop a game specifically for the platform. Yeah, the um, I, I noticed with the uh, sales uh, that the iPad, especially in the last quarter, didn't do as well as, uh, well, it's been on decline. But I, I think that's mainly because um, uh, from when I worked at, back at the company, I remember that a lot of people were talking about the re- reason being was people don't see the tablet as a as a PC replacement. Now that might change with iOS 11 because from what I saw and from what I heard is it, it greatly redesigns the entire uh, tablet interface with uh, drag and drop and such. But a lot of people, when they like a good example, would be college students. When college students get ready to you know get their stuff, books, whatever, laptop, the first thing they think of is like, all right, let's get a laptop for him or her. Uh, as they go to school, yeah. it's not like, hey, let's go get a tablet for them because they consider tablet more of a uh, consumption device rather than a productivity device. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think I don't, I don't know how much is down to uh, uh, operating systems and you know how they develop because you know if you look at what Microsoft's tried to do, um, they're, they're all trying to merge the different worlds, but ultimately it's just two ways of using the systems that are just different. So uh, it's 
it's like I don't see it based on the fact that it's the operating system. I think it's just the fact that uh, the iPad or in general the tablet have, I think, and, and I'm very bad at making uh, you know projections and everything, but uh, I think that the iPad overall has lost the momentum and it's very it's going to be very hard for in general for the tablets to get them back to you know to new life unless something dramatic happens you know, in, in the way that the platform itself is perceived. Yeah, that that's one reason why I, uh, I was kind of surprised when Microsoft Surface Pro came out. I was uh, I was even I'm even at the point of like going back and forth of uh, purchasing it because just to, just even conceptualize me having a tablet in my hand playing a War in the Pacific on the go, maybe like at the DMV would be pretty yeah. sick. I, I have a Surface in it, and I have to say it's really a really 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 powerful platform. Uh, and yeah. I think I'm gonna buy a laptop as well on that Surface. Uh, because just need to change it, so I, I've seen that the new laptops from Microsoft are just just amazing. So yeah, beautiful really too. To, They're incredibly beautiful. I really want to give them a try. Yeah, the uh, do you have the you said the Surface uh, the um the Surface Pro right the one that's like a tablet but also has like a yeah. kickstand. Yeah, 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 oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was the one that I was thinking about buying, and I'm going back and forth because uh, I'm very invested into the iOS ecosystem, so it's very difficult to just leave and you know. Um, I know, I'm, I'm more, a Microsoft, more, more like a Microsoft fanboy, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm on the other side of the thing. <laughs> uh, but um, so the other thing I wanted to uh, ask you was, um, well, actually, before I get into the the really juicy one, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about um, what was the most challenging project Slytherin's ever worked on? Oh, challenging. Um, well. In, ter in terms of us working, I mean, you have to think we, we work with developers, so it's uh, external developers. I think that in terms of what we develop internally, uh, I think the most challenging project is definitely going to be so far the, the, the renewal of the close combat engine uh, and bringing close combat to, to a new life. Um, we decided basically now three years ago that the, the old close combat engine was going to be retired and uh, and that's when we acquired the full rights for any close combat game. So we invested a lot of our money and energy to sort of put this big brand franchise into uh, into the new uh, to the new world. So since then we're developing uh, the new new game system, and it's uh, it's been a real challenge because it's almost it's almost been like uh, developing the game three times over the last, from scratch over the last years. We, wow. we started with uh, we started with Unity, and then we decided to move to our own Archon engine. Now we're you know almost at the point of uh, going beta, which is you know a relief, but it's also mean this also means that from start of development to end, we probably have spent three and a half years, um, full three and a half years of 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 development time and um, development money for. Uh, for this on this project, and it's definitely going to be our most ambitious internal projects ever made. So I guess that's one that, um, from our internal perspective, that we we found ambitious. Um, and in terms of, you know, our partners, um, development partners, I think I mean you can't you can't think that a game like War in the War in the West, War in the East, uh, even Command. Um, these are these are huge games. These are huge projects, and if you don't really have a passion to do these things for, 
maybe 10 years, 15 years in development, you never get, you know, to see the end of them. Uh, I think this is, this is what I like about our developers. They really are so invested in the projects that, you know, they, they don't care if it's going to take them 10 years to finish them. Uh, it's, uh, it's just amazing. Got to love that passion. Yeah, that's, that's really big. Now, uh, in terms of uh, passion, I wanted to talk uh, about another passion of mine, um, Battlestar Galactica. The, <laughs> this announcement literally, I mean, it, it blew away me and pretty much pretty much the whole gaming community, and not only gaming community, but fans of the show that have been like clamoring, that, that have been dreaming for a, a game like this. I'm just curious, how did this partnership emerge? How did this all begin? Um, well, the... <laughs> It's uh, it, it's been it's been a, a almost a natural one, I would say. Um, the developers of um, Starhammer, uh, Black Lab Games, were um, we were looking at what to do next for with them, and um, their their game was was screaming for an adaptation uh, to that world. Uh, but we knew that the current game was not going to be enough because when you work with um, big companies, um, big, big license holders, they want you to be, you know, developing the best possible game out there. So we had to rethink the whole project and uh, make it so that um, this would please both the fans and the strategy gamers. And um, we put together a, you know, a design that would that would you know that would serve well for the purpose, and um, we submitted it to Universal, and uh, we started discussions. And uh, I think that into, if you think about the, the the franchise and the game itself, and you know what can be done for our audience, and you say you're a fan, I think there's so many fans out there that are also. Uh, strategy gamers from of the right age of the right you know target that are just perfectly fitted for this it's almost like a natural evolution we wanted to bet on this and i, I think i think what what you'll see soon is uh is gonna blow you away yeah i can imagine i mean when i the the teaser trailer that you put out i mean it was it was and the product description that you guys made was like uh, it was basically what was in my mind about like ten years ago when the I think the one Battlestar game came out it was uh, I think it was a mm mm uh, mmo prg yeah. or whatever it was yeah. called um, but basically that came out and I was thinking I was like you know it would be great a strategy game involving Battlestar Galactic where you can command you know actual battle stars you know and and you know go to war and you know plan and do some strategy. And you, you guys did it. I mean, this this game looks incredible, and um, uh, and, you, and it's coming out this year, from uh, from what I've understand. Yes, it's coming out this summer. Yes, wow. So it's uh, not too far away. So we're it's... going to uh, have the first uh, look at gameplay very very soon. Um, so we're going to do this live on live on Twitch first time, and um, and I tell you, I mean, this this is good. This is a game. That uh, we are we're bringing, as you know, uh, to PC and consoles, uh, Xbox um, One and PS4. Um, we are we are the, the developer is um, 
is an Australian developer, Black Lab Games. Uh, they're based in Perth, and they are probably the biggest fans in the world of, of Paths of Galactica. So <laughs> everything that we put together, the lore, the story, the characters, um, everything is so well created um, that uh, we, we often have um, you know, comments from Universal saying, you know, this is perfect. You know, wow. We couldn't have done it this better, or, or you know, for lack of a of, of a better word, I think uh, of better expression. I think it's uh, it's you know the, just to convey how how good it's going to be into the Battlestar Galactica world. The uh, when you mentioned Xbox One and PS4, um, I notice you know you guys are dabbing into that. I I think you mentioned that uh, Battle of the Bulge might be uh, is heading over to console. Yep. Um, is that is this going to be? Um, could this be possibly this? Uh, I always consider it casual gaming, but a lot of people probably <laughs> chew me out for that. But um, I, I can consider Xbox One and PS4 kind of more casual audience because you know you have one controller. You know it's not as in depth as a strategy game. But can we see that as like a, a future, a large future strategy um, market? Uh, it, it, I mean, the, the market itself will tell us. At the moment, we see it more as an opportunistic, opportunistic platform where you basically have games that are being developed in Unity and uh, they, are, uh, they are requiring less, less work to be ported. And, uh, you know, if we manage to get the UI right and the controls right, simpler games like Battle of Bulge, um, Heroes of Normandy, um, these games are definitely very well suited for the platform, um, especially because they are almost like board games, digital board games. And uh, these platforms are very good for digital board games. In general, they've always done very, very well. Uh, the first versions of Carcassonne uh, and Settlers of Catan have done extremely well on Xbox back in the days. So there is a big audience for these things. Um, even I remember uh, Ubisoft... Uh, uh, once released a, a card game based on the Panzer General uh, license, it wasn't a brilliant game, but you know it did very well. And I think, I think that, you know, uh, you really have to see these things not as a future of of the genre, but more like an opportunity in time that commercially makes sense and also helps us expand the audience because people that don't know us at all, because we're mainly PC games developer, they will get to know us from these platforms and maybe come and, you know, know more about strategy games and deep war games uh, through these games and, you know, maybe join the family, you know, later on. Yeah, open up a brand new world for them. Um, the last question I have is, so you guys brought in uh, intellectual property, Battlestar Galactica, and you know it's it, it's going to blow away it's not even a question of if i know it's going to blow away the entire gaming audience and also fans of the show like me because uh your servers are going to crash by the way i just want to let you know that amount <laughs> of people are going to do that so i just want to let you uh heads up but um since you brought brad star galactica uh is there any future a possibility any future games involving other ips such as like star trek or star wars um, well, uh, yes. I mean, there, there's there's all the opportunities out there. I think that um, from from a from a perspective of of uh, our goal is always to get more more players and get to people to discover our games. 
So what we did with, with Warhammer, for instance, was, was exactly that. We, you know, we, we basically used the license the beach had to attract a new audience to our, to our you know, war games and tactical strategy games and so on. Because the depth of these games is, is what scares people off. So if they find a, a familiar setting, if, if, if they find something they like, they might be you know, trying it. If they try and like it, they may be moving to something else. So it's always a matter of developing games that are both attached to the license and um, deliver this sense of, okay, I'm playing something serious here, you know, let's see what's, what else is out there. Um, and, and I think that anything that help, can help us to achieve that goal and at the same time is, you know, um, working for, for our audience because you also have to have, you know, the core audience joining, then I think, it, you know, anything of that can happen. Of course, Star Wars, Star Trek, they are, um, they are, they are, they are, they are big licenses and uh, not, not, they're not always available uh, to, to, to sign. But I think there's, there's plenty of opportunities out there uh, and, and we're exploring some of them. And uh, uh, you might hear from some news very soon about that. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> um, but that's all the questions I have. Uh, thank you, Marco, for uh, doing this interview with me. I appreciate it. Um, and you gave away some great, great news and uh, insight. Um, and uh, I know I'm kind of very stoked about some of the stuff that you said, and I can't wait for uh, <laughs> for uh, things to come out this summer because this is definitely going to be a, a great 2017 for strategy games. Thank you very much. Thanks, Marco. Okay, that does it for this episode of Wargamers. Be sure to catch us next time as we bring in a new guest. And stop by our Patreon page so this way you can pledge your support and this way you can uh, get involved in our next interview and submit your own questions so you can get them answered, you know, things that you have on your mind. So that does it for this episode, guys. I will catch you in the next one. See you then.